0: Welcome back, back like we never left. Ladies and gentlemen, first off, thank you. Thank you for tuning in and listening to episode two of Carried Interest, Building Wealth Through Knowledge Network. I've got my amazing co-hosts here and my very good friends, Nate and Jesse. And we have a jam-packed episode for all of you today, whether you're a new real estate investor or a real estate investor looking to level up. We have Mark Weissy and Gonzalo Tronowski of Maple Capital Partners. You can find them on investwithmaple.com. Some very, very interesting, interesting investors with great backgrounds who really talk about how they are going from nothing to something in this industry and starting from the ground up. They are multifamily syndicators, uh, mainly in the Southern area of the US, in Tennessee specifically, Uh, but they really talk about how to pick the right mentors, how to pick the right partners, how to start small, and scale, and scale with really an understanding of your investors, what your markets are. I really think this episode shows a lot of grit and is super relatable to you know the beginner investor and the investor who's just ready to level up.
1: With that said, Zach, you nailed it. Uh, these guys are true investors, gritty investors, started from different beginnings uh, and have come together to start Maple Capital Partners and are doing so uh, in, in a big way. Um, they also have a very interesting social approach, which uh, I think is, is very cool. I'm really excited to do, uh, to hear more about it and for you guys to hear more about it.
2: So I think one of the cool parts of this episode is just kind of their their mindset on how to gain financial independence. So really looking forward for, for you guys, the audience to, to listen in and, and hone in on on some of the things that they're doing to, to gain that themselves.
0: So we've got Mark Weissy and Gonzalo Trinowski here today. Um, Mark, I'd love to get a little bit about uh, your background, like how how you got into this. I mean, you you come from an interesting place. You have your CFA, you graduated. Then you went to you graduated Stevens as well later on, um, and that was specifically. Um, what did you actually study there in Stevens? It was a BS in tech and business as well.
3: Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm one of the few uh, non engineers that graduated there, so slacker basically. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so studied business and technology there, um, uh, played soccer in college, and um, I got a job with uh, UBS, which is my, where I currently work uh, in, in finance.
0: Great. Right, so what did you play in soccer? Were you a forward?
3: I was a defensive center mid. I don't have the uh, luxury of height or speed, so... Uh,
0: you got the hustle, though.
3: Yeah, exactly. I was a hustle. That's
0: perfect for syndication, then. That's perfect for exactly. hearing no every single day until you land on gold, basically.
3: Exactly. <laughs> That's a great analogy.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, and, G- Gonzalo, yourself, I saw that you also went to Stevens, but prior to, in 2004, you actually went and got your civil engineering degree, and then you you moved on to Stevens is that we'd love to hear your background is that where you guys actually met yeah so uh
4: going back I guess real quick I got my undergrad at RIT so that's why I got the civil undergrad moved to New Jersey in 2004 where I started uh, my career in civil for um, a big civil firm in New Jersey so uh, from there you know I just uh, worked and then I went to school part-time at uh, Stevens and eventually uh got my master's there and uh you know Later, years later on, uh, myself and Mark met through the Bigger Pockets website. We had similar interests, and then pretty much we we got into our first uh, uh, duplex. Uh, we did that a couple of years back, and and then from there, you know, we started uh, really discussing the future of what what we both want, and and that kind of goes back to, uh, you know, what we were both searching for, and 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 we were like financial independent that's what we want to that's our goal that's what we want to get to we want to we want to try to you know work on our own hours we want to try to do what we want when we want with people that we want to do basically and and working the nine to five just wasn't cutting it It, it, it's very restricted to to basically showing up when you have to show up doing what you got to do and then you leave at the end of the day so that's kind of our our main goal right now is to kind of just grow this thing so we can then eventually uh um, you know, leave and, um, and, and, and work on this full time.
0: That's, uh, that's extremely relatable. Um, and I know we we have a long ways to go for sure. And, uh, taking the actions the biggest part, you you guys really got started. It's really interesting from what I saw on your website, um, which is investwithmaple.com, You guys got started in 2016 on, like you said, those duplexes in 2011. Did you guys kind of link up and already know at Stevens that you'd be doing this or that, did that happen later on?
4: No, it was like, um, we didn't know each other at all. We kind of just found out after we, uh, we met for that first time in uh, Jersey City Highster at, at, at that one bar, um, Mark, we sat down, we, we exchanged notes and stuff. And then, uh, you know, during the text back and forth to bigger pop we realized that, yeah, we went to Steven's. Uh, he, his track was a little bit different than mine, but it was a, uh, a cool coincidence we had something in common.
3: Yeah, I think we both had an awareness of, of real estate to some degree. Um, definitely on my side um, you know in college I had read that book uh, which is you know probably the most quoted book uh, out there about rich dad poor dad Um, and it really got me thinking about um, you know asset ownership and particularly real estate Um, it wasn't until around 2016 though that I actually pulled the trigger um, to to buy something Um, and from there kind of the rest is history I was I was used to up until then you know paying rent every month and then for once, I was I was collecting rent, um, so that was kind of when the light bulb went off. Like, oh, this stuff actually works.
0: And, and I'm curious that first deal that you guys kind of um, you know JV'd on. You know, first off, that so we said that was in 2016. But uh, where and how did you guys close that first deal? And do you still do you still own it today?
3: We do, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's a duplex um, in Newark. Um, it was kind of a hairy, uh, deal actually for our first one together. Um, it had an oil tank. Um, there was an absentee owner. So there was tons of deferred maintenance. Uh, there were rats all over the place There were cracked vials throughout the house. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yes. it was a, it was a really funny thing to get involved with as our first, uh, deal, but, um, we learned a ton. Um, it was uh, the first time that either of us had dealt with a uh, hard money. Um, and that's yeah. kind of where we formed our, our relationship with our hard money lender who became then, um, a close friend and, and business partner, um, at RK.
0: Very interesting. And it, you know, it's funny, you, you guys meeting and deciding to go on that duplex. Did it take a few of these like one, two, and three families to say, Hey, we, we want to scale up or did you just say, we, we got to close on something? Like, we don't care what it is. Like we've got to close on something. Was that, was that more so the case? I mean, I think uh, we
4: were searching for a while, right? Before we found that uh, that one duplex in Newark, we were doing a lot of uh, a lot of drive-bys and um, checking on uh, the areas. We kind of knew in Hudson County, Essex County, we were gonna buy something. We looked at stuff in Hudson County. Then we finally settled on this one in Newark, where it was kind of like analysis paralysis. We were just like underwriting everything. And we were like, "Oh, this yeah. could work." This could work. But, uh, I think we we found the one, and we were like, let's just do it. Let's put an offer in, and it was. Uh, I remember the, the the day that we did it. They came back with a counter offer, so then we kind of like uh, threw in the last number, and that's kind of like where we knew, wow, we, we actually own something, and then we had to you know get get to work because it, it did need a lot of a lot of uh, improvements and uh, renovations to it, which we were uh, we were down to do. So, you know.
3: But to get back to your question about you know how many deals did it take before we figured out that we wanted to scale up and get into the multifamily. Um, space. It was really one. I mean, um, we we put a lot of work into it, both um, you know, financial and sweat equity. Um, and we saw that um, after it was done, uh, you know, we still had a ton of hands-on work to do with the property. I mean, there were ongoing kind of repairs, and maintenance calls, and things like that, um, dealing with the tenants. And we were like, we both realized very quickly that um, we didn't want to be landlords, or at least full-time landlords. We didn't want to trade one job for another, as they say. Um, so we tried to look for another path and that's when we started to look at, uh, investing as LPs in real estate deals and other, uh, syndicators deals. And that opens us up to the, uh, the syndication story. I,
0: I'd, I'd love to dive into that for a second. Cause I'm sure a growing audience doesn't always, they don't all know what LP is. And, and I think your transition from duplex to where you, you guys are now, which I'd love for you to touch on like exactly where you guys are now, um, that limited partner role is so interesting. You guys decided to take a lim- an active limited partner to investors who are actively syndicating larger deals, it sounds like. Can you discuss that process, how you went about choosing your mentors there, and then what you're doing now?
3: Yeah, I can tell, well, I'll maybe uh, take it and you can fill in the holes. Uh-huh. At that um, uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so yeah, at, that,
3: at, at that time we were you know just heavy and we're, we're always kind of educating, but at that time we were, we were educating, um, going to tons of meetups listening to podcasts like crazy um, and uh, so at one of these meetups we had met a fellow who was uh he was doing um syndications down in uh philadelphia he was doing short-term um, rentals so airbnb uh mostly and um this was 2007 to 2018 um and so we were really interested we uh decided to have a conversation with him and he told us about the business model, about how it all works, you know, with LPs basically being uh, passive investors. And that's exactly what we're looking for. Um, and then they would basically be running with the deal. Um, and in exchange, we had asked, you know, could, we, could you take us under our wing and, and show us how, how it all works? Um, long story short, it ended up not being the greatest uh, investment ever. We learned a ton through it. Um, Like um, Rod Cleef, who's one of uh, one of our virtual mentors, always says, "There's no such thing as a failure; it's only a seminar." Well, this was definitely a seminar, Um, and uh, so we learned a lot from that as far as what not to do on the uh, on the syndication front. And from there, that kind of led us to thinking about, "Okay, how can we do this?" Because we think we can do this better.
4: Yeah, I would, I would agree on that. And there, I think there's that expression that says that in the beginning of, uh, of a deal, the operators have all the knowledge and the investors have the money. And at the end, it's the reverse. And I think that's what happened to us is that we were just so like kind of down that it didn't go the way we wanted to. We just kept on going, kept on educating ourselves on the whole process. And I, I think, I really think if it wasn't because of that one like hitch that we happen in, in the LP i don't think we would be in the same spot we are so i kind of things happen for a reason you know and we just kept on going full speed and education you know that's that's what this thing is is uh, very very important was making sure you're you're very uh educated on
0: where you investing your money so that's um Absolutely. that that's um, extremely interesting jesse if you, you want to jump in really quick yeah
1: just just a couple quick follow-ups first off would you guys be willing to share um some of the experiences you went through on that first deal uh with our audience and um, you know where you went wrong and, and what you could have improved upon, uh, and then kind of a follow-up to that. Um, you know, obviously, a, a bad investment is, is not the most encouraging thing. Um, did that did that slow you guys down at all, or were you full steam ahead on the next one?
3: Yeah, so I think um, with the benefit of hindsight and knowing what we know now, there were a ton of uh, yellow flags uh, or even red flags for that matter. Um, the biggest takeaway for me was that. Um, you know, we were kind of um, sold this bag of goods and and I still believe in the investment um, thesis and, and then the property itself. But the biggest takeaway was, you know, a, a, a poor operator um, or maybe an uninformed operator can make uh, a bad deal out of a good one. And a good operator can make a good deal out of a bad one. Um, and that's what I learned um, was, you know, we looked at the underwriting, it made all the sense in the world. Um, the, you know, the acquisition price was great. Um, the business plan was just really good, um, but it turned out being um, kind of a, a situation where the management, the operator themselves wasn't, wasn't optimal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I, there were a number of yellow flags, but I would say um, uh, to that end, um, I would say just to goes back to what we were saying earlier, educate, educate, educate. Uh, there are tons of resources out there as far as um, informing yourself on the questions you should be asking. Anytime you invest your money, your hard earned money, in somebody else's deal um, you know you should be absolutely comfortable and you know thankfully we're both in a place where it didn't break us um, in fact like Gonzalo was saying it, it really didn't deter us at all and if anything it made us want it more so um, yeah definitely credit that experience with uh, learning tons of ways not to deal with investors and investor money um, and then also with you know kind of lighting the fire under us saying okay we need to do this on ourselves we can't really trust necessarily or we can't afford to take another take another loss um, to somebody else's actions
0: yeah that i feel like that takes a lot of wherewithal to take a to take a loss in your first lp and say like a true entrepreneur really kind of say all right this we can do this better and let's do this for other investors and let's give these investors a real return by being um the operators that we wish we maybe had on that first one um, right now, you guys are in a very interesting space. You're looking for 30-plus units in the $1 to $10 million marker, multifamily, B to C class in the Tennessee area. Is that correct? Can you kind of touch on um, you really like right now your team and why you're choosing that B to C class in that market?
3: Absolutely. Gonzalo. you start off?
0: So, yeah. So,
4: I would say that we looked at a lot of different – uh, markets before really settling down in, in the Tennessee, Nashville area, we looked at the Raleigh market, the Orlando market, the Austin market, and uh, we, we kind of went through the steps. We analyzed different different metrics of each market and created a spreadsheet and, and really looked at the five different markets. And then we, we kind of like narrowed to a few. And then at the end, we picked Nashville just because we liked a lot of different values of that of that area, um, and this was all based on basically all the educational books, the courses, the boot camps that we went over. It kind of they kind of spelled it out for this is what you need to do to select a good market. We selected the good market, and we've started you know really looking into uh, into that area the last the last uh, few six or seven months, I believe.
3: Yeah, one of the benefits that um, we had was so I, I um, in my full time job I'm managing uh, client assets. Um, for municipal bonds, uh, so basically cities and states uh, debt. So I'm looking at tons of demographic data and tons of um, local economics, basically. So a lot of this stuff that these um, syndicators do, uh, some of the bigger names on the, on the national uh, scale, a lot of the things that they look at are things that I was looking at already. So Gonzalo and I basically, like you said, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks, we put together tons of data and we're looking at, um, I think every major MSA on the Eastern side of the United States. Um, so from the Mississippi East. And um, yeah, like he said, most of the, um, Nate, I guess you might uh, find this interesting, but most of the uh, best markets as we saw them were in the Southeast. Um, so we took, like Gonzalo said, took the top five. We looked at um, kind of the metrics that a lot of people talk about on podcasts and otherwise. Um, labor growth, uh, uh, you know, in terms of employment numbers, Um, where are jobs going, where are people going, so population growth and wage growth. Uh, In addition to that, we kind of did an overlay of affordability, Um, so how affordable is that market? Um, The United States overall has a real affordability crisis going on right now, and um, so at the lower end, um, and this is even pre-COVID, now it's even more exacerbated, but um, pre-COVID, there's just not enough houses being uh, built um, and so, as a result of that, uh, there's a big uh, cross section of the population kind of getting left behind. Uh, wages have been stagnant in in this group, um, yet the cost of housing has gone up over the last thirty years. And so, we saw that as a real opportunity in the BMC space um, to provide that clean, affordable, uh, and safe housing to that to that cross section.
0: V- very interesting, and um. Honestly, that's extremely insightful. I just want to backtrack very quickly because um, I'm sure a lot of, the, you know, the audience that that's going to be listening and that are listening, you know, they're going to want to know like, whoa, these guys are doing some pretty incredible things right now. And I would love to talk about where you're at, where you want to be in 12 months prior to doing that, just to backtrack. I mean, it's not like you guys were born multifamily syndicators or experts. It sounds like you acquired skills. Um, Gonzalo, like you said, you went to boot camps, you listen to podcasts like crazy, you, you networked with the right people in your local market throughout New Jersey, um, some syndicators already. You gained advisors. Currently, you guys work with a couple advisors. I'm curious who your mentors are right now, how you've chosen those people. I think that's a big, big key towards young investors or investors of any age just moving forward and excelling. Yeah, so
3: um, from my side, um, Gonzalo and I both enrolled in Jason Yarusi's uh, mentorship. And I definitely created that with uh, a lot of the early success that we've had. Um, so, you know, that program, and I think mentorship in general is such a valuable thing to have when you're starting out. Um, it kind of, to, the way I think about it is it kind of forms guardrails where um, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, having your mom there before you cross the street. It's, it's, you're not going to go too far off uh, course. And so, uh, besides that, besides kind of um, de-risking, it also forces you to be accountable to somebody other than yourself. Um, so you know having having uh, meetings with with Jason in my case, and knowing that I, I have to you know be be kind of aware of what I'm up to and 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 be having made progress since our last meeting, that accountability um, has been just worthwhile. Um, so I think, uh, and besides that, um, just educational programs that a lot of mentors offer. I mean, there are tons of programs out there. Um, and the fact that uh, you can get this stuff now, you know, uh, via the web, a lot of it, um, there's really no excuse not to get started. Um, as you said, we didn't start in this, in this realm. I don't think anybody's born a real estate investor. I don't have anybody in my family that's, you know, necessarily made uh, a ton of money in real estate. Uh, so if, if we can do it, I, I fully, uh, wholeheartedly believe that anybody can, can learn this
2: stuff. I'd love to kind of hear, so like, you know, you've had people that have helped you along the way, right. But to this point, what have been some of the biggest hurdles that you guys have had to overcome? You know, obviously you had a deal that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily have turned out how you, you would have liked. You know did you find that there were any hurdles in entering markets in the southeast at all um did you find it hard like that that hurdle kind of getting that first deal can you kind of speak to that a little
4: uh yeah i could talk about i guess for for me i guess my point in my life right now where you know I, i've got two kids fairly young still right so um the first you know like like we talked about the first uh go in as an LP that kind of kind of fell through was for me kind of like a big hit because I work really hard for my money and I, and I always think, hey, you know, this is a big loss. Maybe this is something that I shouldn't be going into, you know, but then Mark kind of like picks me back up again and says, hey man, this is what we got to do. It's, just, it's not a failure. It's a seminar like Rockleaf says, so we just got to pick up and, you know, learn from it. So I'm like, okay, great. But let's just keep on going forward, right? So at the beginning, that's kind of like a uh, an obstacle for me. It's kind of like when you when you hit kind of like a roadblock like that. But like you guys said, you know, you just have to kind of pick yourself back up again and and, and know that uh, this is this is what we want to do. And I think that's that's what we're we're doing. And as far as to, to answer your question on the 12 month, I mean, for me personally, it's really to um, I'm going to be getting out of my uh, partnership at my company that I'm with now, and hopefully, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to spend. Uh, you know, 100% of my time on this, because right now my time is very limited where demanding job, family. So I try to squeeze in, in that available space, trying to be doing all this stuff with Mark and making sure that, you know, we're, we're putting new letters out monthly. We're, we're set, setting up webinars, we're networking with people, and we're also searching in our market. I think by me focusing on this 100 percent next year i'm going to be able to provide a lot more and put in a lot of my a lot more of my effort onto making making sure this is going to be a success so i know it will be so
3: yeah and as far as hurdles on my end i mean um we were dealing mostly in dupe you know the duplex uh and uh on my side condos i had bought so much smaller um you know residential investments um and now you know, I don't want to give any of the listeners the wrong impression. We haven't done any syndications yet. Um, you know, in all honesty, but we are hunting, and um, and a lot of the deals that we're looking at are you know a lot larger in terms of dollars. Um, so I would say the biggest hurdle is really just the mental side of, you know, being willing to uh, put an offer on, say, a two million dollar property when you're used to looking at, say, two hundred thousand dollar properties. Um, so it's really just that mental um, aspect of it. I don't think that looking at a 50 unit is all that much more complex than looking at a say 10 unit or so. I think it imag- it requires about the same uh, you know cerebral in- involvement. Yeah, um, just had a couple of zeros. Yeah, exactly. It's just um, it's it's more of like getting over that fear, and that's that's been the biggest hurdle to date, I think.
0: That's extremely, we've talked about that. I mean, even privately, Jesse, Nate, and I, this like imposter syndrome of like, I'm this age, or this amount of money, or this many commas or zeros, like, should I be doing this? And it's just, Gonzalo, like you said, I mean, there's not really too much of a difference in underwriting it. It's how you operate these projects and how you care about people's money, which is really just their trade-off for hard work, right? Hard work and time. Um, That's, I think that hits home with anybody trying to excel to any next level. Whether it's a one to a two or a two to a twenty, um, yeah. how do you how do you guys currently uh, motivate? Whether it's your team or, or is it just yourselves? Is there any like habits, daily actions, goals that you specifically set, especially in these like time slots, schedules, where you have to move the needle every day?
4: Mark, I'll let you take it away on that. big. <laughs> okay. Because we- I got some good ones. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I
3: love it. <laughs> So um, we, have, we have a, a set uh, meeting time. Right now, unfortunately, we can't meet in, in person as much. Um, so we have um, kind of predetermined times every week that we meet, and we have very specific kind of lists of to-dos. Um, we're big on personal development, so one of the books that um, we read very early on and kind of, um, you know, uh, like, discussed together was the one thing. So we definitely ascribe to that, like, focusing on, um, what you need to get done, even if it's just the one thing that you need to get done that will make everything else um, kind of obsolete or unnecessary. Um, so we use that as well as a bunch of other productivity tools um, like Trello, uh, our CRM. I definitely credit our CRM with like uh, really improving our relationship uh, with both investors and our team members. Um, as far as how do, how do we motivate those around us and our partners? I mean, um, the question earlier, Nate, that you asked about um, hurdles uh, in the, you know, dealing with the Southeast. I think it's really just the, the not being there uh, aspect. Although I, I don't think it's as much of a hurdle today um, with, you know, even if we were based in the Southeast, I don't think we'd be made, meeting face to face today as it were. So um, it's actually quite easy. Um, we, in the course of probably two or three months, we formed a pretty solid team down there uh, in terms of our property managers, our our lender, um, our brokers. Um, so we've got a, a really good team there. And I think part of the question gets back to like, not how do we motivate them, but how do we serve as an example? And I think that's like follow-up um, they say championships are won by like rebounds. And that's really what we're focusing on now is is kind of our bread and butter of just following up uh, being kind of the first person that a broker thinks about when they look at a uh, say 50 to hundred unit deal.
4: Yeah, and I, and I would kind of what Mark's saying. You know, um, I think our, our main goal really is to kind of like you know, just a little bit every single day, right? And, and just making sure that we're making, even if it's just a little progress every day, because that stuff compounds after weeks, after months. And I think that, you know, for me, last couple of years back, I guess before I started getting into real estate, I would just kind of just go with the flow, wake up, you know, do my thing at work, come home. And then after that, I kind of started realizing I took Jason Urusi's uh, mentorship program and uh, Peely, really, you know, started, uh, you know, hammering in into us find your why, find why you're doing stuff, find the reason that you're doing these things. So after, you know, searching for that, for that why, I mean, you realize, you know, what, well, I need to, I need to reach financial independence. That, that's the answer to everything, uh, is making sure that I, I'm, I'm using money as a tool and I'm using it to, you know, uh, you know release myself from, from being chained to going to work every single day and, you know, maybe um, do more shareable donations and, and uh, meet with friends more, teach people, um, educate other folks as well. Because currently at, at, in your nine to five, it's very difficult. You're very constrained to, to the amount of time you have available to kind of uh, share these things with people, right? So daily habits very important. Goal setting very important. Meeting weekly, maybe every three four days with Mark and our team to making sure that we're we're hitting the goals that we've written down. If we don't meet them, then why didn't we meet them? And maybe you know reschedule f- for us to meet those goals. And, and it's just ba- ba- basically just uh making sure that we're each keeping e- each other accountable to reach those goals. And I think that's what is making things like successful is making sure that you know. Mark, did you do this? So why not? You know, get, get, get this done and vice versa. So yeah. it's, it's accountability.
3: I think that's like the value of a partner too, especially an open, honest, kind of transparent relationship. Um, Gonzalo and I sometimes will be at each other's necks, but also, you know, we're just the, the, the first person to celebrate um, wins together as well. So just having an open kind of uh, relationship like that, I think is invaluable. Um, if you're going to choose a partner, definitely want to choose someone whose skills compliment you. But I would say a close second is someone who you're comfortable, you know, providing and receiving constructive feedback from.
4: Yeah, I agree.
0: That's very key, and I feel like your guys' skills, even on paper, your guys' skills complement each other. But now, just listening to you two, um, it's it's very cool to see how a real partnership works. And Mark, you, I mean, you even hit on this. I, I was talking about it earlier today with with a friend of mine. Like this consistent effort that no, it's this monotonous same thing every single day where this door is moving a millimeter, you don't see it until you can just slam it open. Um, it, it, I, I, I get it, right? And I think we have a lot more years, Jesse, Nate, myself, till uh, that thing slams open, but. um,
4: Yeah, and you know, I think it's that incremental progress that you mentioned, Zach, it's, uh, it, it's funny because a lot of people look back at say in 10 years and, and you're very successful, you've syndicated a ton of deals, you have a thousand doors. And they look at that person like, wow, that person's lucky. No, they're not lucky. They've worked for the last five years and moving that needle up just a little bit every single day for five years until, boom, they got where they got to go, you know? So it's not like you were just lucky. It's you worked your ass off to get there. And that's, that's what we're going through right now, basically, just like everybody,
3: like you guys as well. Absolutely. It's definitely not overnight. And I know that on our side, you know, maybe a year ago, if you had asked us what our goals were, we definitely would have had very lofty goals. And in some respects, we didn't achieve them, but in some respects i'm I'm actually really, really proud of the things that we have done, um, just because I know that the process was right. We may not have gotten on paper you know a hundred units or whatever our goal was last year, um, but I know that um, the things that we did do i'm I'm equally as proud of because I know that we follow the process.
2: I think that's a nice segue. you know you guys are talking about goals and whatnot. Can you kind of speak to like what your goals are now? Like, you know, what you want to accomplish for the next 12 months? And then, you know, looking more long-term, like I know Gonzalo, you mentioned, you know, you're obviously looking to transition from a career perspective, but long-term, where do you guys want to be?
1: So
4: for me, it's uh, definitely, uh, you know, doing this uh, full-time. Absolutely, I, I would say within the, the, the next year or so, that's my goal is is working on this full time, um, and for the long term goal, the, the kind of be simple is just uh, definitely uh, have at least I would say for, you know, uh, close on a bunch of deals and maybe in five years have a thousand doors, or a thou- a thousand apartment units that we're managing and and we've developed a nice uh, a nice database of investors accredited investors if that's that's the um that's one of our goals um that's that's a short and inter- uh, short and long but mark you got some ambition yeah yeah, yeah. i mean
3: we, we've written this down like many times actually is like what's our one year uh, three year five year ten year um uh, it's definitely the the number of doors that um gonzalo hit on um but also yeah the financial independence aspect of it um i think Gonzalo and I, both from a business sense and also a life sense, I think um, we see that, you know, while this is great, this is really um, just a way of us kind of living out our, our ideal lives. Um, we, you know, we both really feel really passionate about it. Um, and I think having an educational platform is another thing that we really um, think in terms of uh, our purpose is really aligned with our goals. Um, having a platform that educates our investors and tracks high quality investors um, because, uh, this is something that we really, really believe in financial literacy and the power of multifamily real estate. Um, besides that, um, I guess some of the, the more social goals, um, I know we both have a really big, uh, aspiration to give a a pretty significant portion of our, um, of our passive income to, uh, charities and causes that we believe in. Um, there's uh, a guy that comes to mind, Whitney Sewell, who's a syndicator who has a, a great uh, podcast he has a daily podcast that 's just tremendous for anybody um, who's looking to learn in a very quick way, um, but he gives I believe ten percent of his passive income to uh, to his cause and I would love to emulate that and and yeah. so um, I think after a certain point, having you know a certain um, number of doors and a certain uh, value of passive income, kind of anything above that is just incremental it's not going to necessarily change your your quality of life. Um, so I think Gonzalo and I are very much in alignment with that.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. You guys have uh, you know, really started from n- non-real estate backgrounds, developed this, this idea, um, did your first deal and have started ramping up. Uh, and you really have a, a strong appreciation for the social responsibility as well. Um, so you're, you're kind of the, the pinnacle of um, you know, who we're trying to reach out to through this podcast. Uh, because, we, you know, we want to make sure that everyone is aware of, of the possibility of, of real estate, specifically multifamily, um, and it, it's really incredible to hear. So I, I know, Gonzalo, you've got a couple of kids running around there, so uh, we don't want to take up too yeah. much of your time, but um, right. what's, right. what's one piece of advice that you'd like to leave uh, our audience with, um, especially in, in this time right now when, you know, people are spending a little bit more time at home, can't necessarily go to meetups. Um what's yeah. something you'd you'd say is uh, helpful to get started
4: I would say um absolutely uh with all this downtime you guys have at home anybody really is 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 you know don't don't let that go to waste right uh read as as many books as you can uh listen to podcasts on the topics that you guys enjoy try to network as much as possible even if it is through you know uh zoom or 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 face to face if you can. Because that's still, you know, very, very important. And basically, just uh, try to, like we said before, set goals and move that needle forward every single day. That that's that's very important.
0: That's uh, I think that's huge because market. And again, you you touched on this. You know, real estate's a vehicle in every single way, right? If you want to give back, if you want financial freedom, like you're not just born to do real estate. You choose to take this vehicle and build it with partners and. Do it because it aligns with the values of your life, these values, like where you build these habits upon, um, you know, like I wanted to go to the NBA, but I'm five, seven on a good day. So I couldn't do that. So real estate aligns with like what you said, Gonzalo, it's yeah. working with who I want, when I want, where I want. And it's a long road. You've got to be willing, I think, to 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 drive it down the, the right path. Um, I, I am personally fascinated by, by this one question um cuz it's something that's currently evolving in my life but I'd love to know and Mark you could touch on it what your relationship with money is and how that's evolved throughout your life um we deal with money every day in this industry and everything so I'd love to know that from your end
3: Yeah um I'm definitely not uh, going to be original here but um as far as my relationship to money um money to me is options um you know, it's, it's really, like you were saying, it's a medium, it's a, it's a vehicle to um, improve your life and improve the, the lives of those around you. Um, I really think that, uh, you know, when you're living in alignment with kind of your values and your goals, money is just a byproduct. It's just kind of like energy. Um, and so uh, to me, I mean, my uh, relationship with money has changed a lot over uh, my, my life. Uh, I grew up um, my son sort of an immigrant. Uh, so money is, is you have a very different relationship coming from somebody who's new to this country versus, um, you know, some of the circles that I'm around now, um, and my kind of circle of influence now, um, where money is really just a tool for them to, like I said, bring about the the things that they want to see, the change that they want to see.
4: Yeah. As far as rate um, money to me is, uh, was, was always, uh, a tool, for sure. So, you know, when my parents came into the, when we arrived to this country in 88, basically with a couple hundred bucks from uh, Argentina, we I'm immigrated here, uh, you know, my parents were struggling quite a bit, right? They were working very hard. The, the same story that you hear from, you know, immigrant families coming in. And they struggled, but at the end, uh, they got us the education that, that, we, that we came to this country for, right? And uh, it made me value the Money because my parents just worked so so hard for it and uh, not to waste it so uh, since then you know it, it's it's made me it's made me very frugal with it making sure that you know it's very it's very difficult it's very easy to lose as you guys know it right and it's very hard to, to, to accumulate so right now I'm, I'm in the accumulation uh, wealth building phase and, and hopefully at, at the end you know it's something I can pass down to my family or charitable donations and and it's just a tool to, to get to where you want to go basically
0: yeah i love that i mean uh, my my mom came here from from israel like 25 years ago and just worked her ass off the whole way so yeah. like i get it it's like i'm i'm this like spoiled kid who like you know basically had had the education you know the first world privileges and it's like can't really let it go to waste if you have not this- let it
1: go
4: to waste
0: yeah, yeah. i'm just I'm, we're not going to and um it's so cool to have you guys on here and like actually learn about who you are and your backgrounds um you know, I'm curious, just like on a, on a fun note, like what do you guys do in your free time? Gonzalo, you're probably with the family being super dad all day, but what do you guys do in your free time? Or what would you like to be doing?
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, um, on my side, um, you know, a little bit more free time. I would say a lot of bit more free time than Gonzalo. Um, you know, uh, pre-COVID, it was um, probably more boxing. Um, so I'm big into boxing. Um, so going to the boxing gym and doing that stuff. Um, playing soccer. I've played soccer my whole life. So kind of outdoor sports. Um, bike riding now—it's kind of like my COVID pastime. Yeah. Um, and then going back to kind of the uh, the spirit of always be learning, um, reading, uh, read a ton. So those are kind of my interests.
4: Uh, yeah, me and Mark have some pretty good similarities. But uh, I'm I'm really big into like tiny houses and and tiny living. So next year, one one of my goals for the next year or two is uh, I'm I'm com- I want to buy a uh, like a sprinter van and convert it into uh, one of those van life and. I want to travel um the national parks with, with my family for like two two months i think that would be pretty cool so i'm looking forward to for that in a couple of years
0: you guys are some badass people that's pretty cool stuff i wasn't expecting all of that <laughs> that's cool very cool nate jesse anything you guys want, want to touch on over here i mean i could honestly ask you guys questions for for hours and days but your time is valuable nate jesse anything from you guys
1: uh, no, nothing additional for me. I really appreciate the time. This was very insightful um, and great for us to hear, and great for all our listeners to hear. So thank you very nice. much. Thank you guys.
0: Happy to be here.
4: Yeah, definitely. It was very nice to meet you, and hopefully we can meet face to face sometime in the near future. <laughs> you know I mean? Yes, when the, when the world's yeah. done
0: freezing over, we'll definitely. We'll definitely <laughs> do that. Oh, I know. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, I honestly, I can't wait to see where you guys go. Um, I'm excited to touch base in like 12 months or, or two years from now and just uh, yeah. and start consuming your education. That's going to be very cool for me because I've attended Jason mo That's how I got started a year and a half ago before I went into lending. So it's just cool to... Have you guys? I remember on as, seeing as you,
4: Zach. I I, f- I remember meeting you at one of these, his events. I swear, your face be very familiar.
0: <laughs> see, here's the <laughs> thing. I get that all the time. I'm like a mud. Yeah. I'm like Middle Eastern, yeah. Hispanic. I'm a little bit every. You, might you have got to you money. got the face. Got face. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'll see you at the next event. I think that that would be very cool.
1: Awesome. Looking forward you to too, it,
0: Jesse, man.
3: Nice. Hopefully, we'll see each other.
1: Absolutely. Oh, nice meeting you guys. And uh, nice you There. Check out their website. Um, it's uh, investwithmaple.com. Um, take a look at what they're doing and uh, reach out to, to us or them if you have any questions.
0: Once again, as usual, but not lighthearted. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate your support. We hope that this is bringing massive value to anyone looking to get started. Please feel free to email us directly at carriedinterestpodcast@gmail.com at com. We're waiting for Google to sponsor us, it's coming soon. But just email us there. We really appreciate your support. We'll catch you next time. And that is today's episode. If any of you current and future investors want us to talk about any specific real estate topics you're interested in, or to ask us questions like, Jesse, how do you get your hair to stay so perfect? Nate, what's your favorite shaving cream? Feel free to email us directly at podcast at gmail.com. Yes, that's podcast at gmail.com. I'm telling you, the Google sponsorship is well on its way. Please tune in next time for more real estate knowledge. Thanks for listening to Carried Interest. Peace out and go build some equity.